go. Welcome to the North Point Plus Welcome podcast. to the North Point Plus podcast with your host. With your guest host, Brent Conlon. I am here today with uh, Pastor Rick Rubel, and this is episode 84. Um, Rick's in a particularly good mood today. So we are... Uh, <laughs> Why is that? Because <clears throat> I'm here. <laughs> so we Absolutely. are... Uh, so today, this is a special Sunday uh, podcast. We... Um, Today we started a new sermon uh, with an eye on eternity. And, new sermon um, series. New sermon series. Sorry. Yeah, that's and I'm okay. sure uh, I'm sure you got to teach you the lingo. Plenty to say about that. And I know you mentioned you had plenty more you wanted to say about it. You ran out of time today, but yep. you want to give us a quick uh, synopsis of what you talked yeah, about today. So, so we the series is actually we're going to study through First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. So it's going to actually take us. Um, into June, which which is cool. Um, we typically do kind of a variety in terms of the kinds of messages that we do. We do some things that are more topical. Um, they're all grounded in Scripture, but there may be reasons that we're doing well, like the series that we just finished with with the um, Easter egg series. They were individual topics that fit into that concept. This is a different kind of series that we're going to actually preach through First and Second Thessalonians. So, so we'll we'll look at that. Everybody will be experts in Thessalonians, Thessalonica, um, Thessalonica, whatever uh, you know. Um, everybody will be experts by the end. And um, so, the whole kind of foundational premise, the reason that the that we chose the name of the series is with an eye on eternity, is because. Uh, at the end of chapter one, at the end of chapter two, all through chapter three, and then in in chapter four too, um, there's all uh, they all point to the return of Jesus. They all mention it, have some kind of reference there. And as I just as I was studying through and thinking through, okay, what ties all this together? There really is this sense of um, when you are aware of what's going to happen eternally, when when you're aware that Jesus is going to come back, it changes the way that you act. It changes the way that you live. So um, so my Cincinnati Reds jersey, the, the whole picture was what you look at determines where you go. Um, so if you're looking at eternity, you're gonna, that's going to shape what you do. If you're not looking at eternity, you're going to get sidetracked. So that, that's the big picture in terms of the series. We spent a good deal of time uh, working on just foundational stuff. Um, the, the church in Thessalonica was founded by Paul and uh, Silas in Acts 17. It describes what happened when the church was launched. Talked a little bit about the, the historical context. And to me, that's a big deal because it's, I think it's really easy sometimes for people to, to think, ah, eh, the Bible's just a bunch of stories that people made up later. Real people, real place, real time, all of that's the case um, with the letter to the Thessalonians. And um, so it's a, uh, that's, that's kind of big picture stuff. We can get more into the content, but I think, it's, I think it's really interesting to know, too, that this is the first of Paul's letters that we have um, chronologically that he wrote. Uh, that's a part of the Bible. So he, he could have written things before, but we know that this letter was written probably in 50 or 51 AD, less than 20 years after Jesus um, was crucified and resurrected. And that's a really short period of time because 20 years ago was not very long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not 20 years since the church started. That's 20 years since Jesus' resurrection. 
um, during that time, Paul obviously has become a follower of Jesus. He's spent time learning, growing, teaching. He's been on the missionary journey, on the first missionary journey. This is his second one. And so um, so that that time process is, is really kind of compacted in terms of when the church started and then when Paul reaches out to him with his letter. What was the last series that we did uh, on one of Paul's letters? Um, we did a series from Colossians. Yeah, Colossians, yeah. last fall. Last fall, yeah. Do you know how that, time-wise, how that relates? Um, I'd have to go back and look because the, the I don't have the dates. I want to say Colossians was written... Um, uh, Thessalonians was written from Corinth. Colossians, I think, was written while he was in prison in Rome, I think. Um, and I think it was in the 60s. Um, I want to say maybe Another 65. Yeah. I mean, how long? do we know how long Paul lived? Uh, no, we know that he was, um, that he was uh, killed, that, you know, that um, he was killed as a prisoner. Yeah. He, was, uh, he was in prison in Rome. Um I don't. Know, we don't know how old he was when he started, and we don't know exactly what year he died. Yeah, good. That's a good question. I mean, I'm just curious if he was an yeah. old if he was an old man and still. No, no, no. He he. Um, so so if you read through the book of Acts, he um, he ends up because of the way that he's teaching, he causes a furor like he did in, in Thessalonica. Um, he gets thrown into prison in Philippi. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the earthquake happens, and um, the Philippian jailer becomes a, a follower of Jesus because mm-hmm. they don't leave. Um, ultimately, he ends up being arrested, goes to trial in, in front of two rulers. One is named Festus, and the other is named Felix. Um, fun Bible name there. Um, Festus was named Porcius Festus. Um, Porcius, like in pork, he was fat. It was like <laughs> fat Festus. Um, <laughs> um, uh, that was uh, a, a young adolescent kid when I learned that fact. I thought, oh, that's really cool. Whole Porches Festus. Don't name your kid that. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, he goes on trial. He appeals to Rome, um, even though they find him, Festus and Felix say, he, you haven't done anything wrong. But he ends up being arrested, and because he appeals to Caesar, because he's a Roman uh, citizen, they ship him off to Rome. He has shipwreck, goes through that whole process, and then he's a prisoner in Rome for a long time until he's executed. Hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned that you—I don't know—it's Sunday, so we haven't had questions come in. No. Nope. You mentioned you had more you wanted to share. You ran out of time. Yeah. The, um, there were a couple of things that—, that um, you know, when I was working through the message that I had wanted really to talk about, one of them was um, Moody. The the line in Moody that I, it just ended up being kind of a throwaway thing that where he says, the world has yet to see w- what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him, which is a really cool line. And And the other part of that with Moody that he said was, after he said that, he said, by God's help, I aim to be that man. Mm-hmm. Which is which is really cool, but um, what's funny to me is the backstory on that on that um, saying that line was that Moody didn't say it, so I, he didn't say it originally. He has this conversation with this uh, with this guy named um, uh, Henry Varley, who's a British preacher. He's um, he's in Dublin, and and Moody goes over to England, uh, goes over to 
<coughs> excuse me, Great Britain meets with him and has this conversation with him. And Moody then hops a ship and goes back to um, back to the U.S. So it's not a time of planes. So you know you've got the long journeys going going back and forth. He comes back out um, a year later to meet with Varley, and um, this is the way that Varley describes it. He says, during the afternoon of uh, the day of the conference, Mr. Moody asked me to join him in a vestry of, of the Baptist church. We're alone, and he recalled the night's meeting at Willow Park and our conversation the following morning. He said, do you remember your words? And I said, I remember talking to you, but I don't recall anything special. And, and Moody said, don't you remember saying, Moody, the world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. And Varley said, I don't remember the actual sentence. And Moody said, those were the words sent to my soul through you from the living God. As I crossed the Atlantic, the boards of the deck of the vessel were engraved with them. And when I reached Chicago, the very paving stones seemed marked with Moody. The world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. Under the power of those words, I've come back to England, and I felt that I must not let more time pass until I let you know how God used your words to my inmost soul. I just, I think that's an incredible story um, because we don't know when we're having a conversation, we don't know how God's going to use the words that we say to pierce somebody's soul. So when Paul writes to Thessalonians and says, um, you, you, um, when you receive the gospel, the Holy Spirit um, uh, affirmed that in you. The Holy Spirit gave you assurance that that came to you with, with power, that, um, that that's what happened, and that happens for us even now. It's, it's funny to me. I've, I think we've talked before, and, and I've said, there's some times that people will come up and say, man, do you remember what you said in that sermon? When you said this, oh, it, that was like all the lights turned on. And I think back and think, I didn't say that. Um, you know, I, I haven't any idea. And then we talk some more, and it's like, oh, yeah, I kind of talked about that, but that was the Holy Spirit connecting those dots and using whatever was said um, to to really speak to somebody. And that's true. That's not true because I'm a, you know, because I'm a, a pastor. That's true of the conversations that we have, that if we're just aware and conscious of, what God might want us to say, want us to do. We're just having a conversation, and, and somebody walks away with something that God ultimately uses uh, in huge ways. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 that's great. Um, I got a couple questions for you. Yeah. So maybe slightly off of the subject. You know what? Let, let me, let, let's come back to them in a second. Let me do, let me go one other area that I want yeah. to talk about that yeah, didn't make it in the message. Um, the, uh, so the last half of the message, which is really where I wanted to land, where, um, where Paul says to the Thessalonians, you've become an example through Macedonia and Achaia. That, that example that you've gone, that, that you have become has sent ripples throughout the world and, and that just keeps increasing. Um, the, the, in verses 8 and 9, it says something really interesting, I think. Um, now, the Word of God is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. The thing that I really wanted to dive into, and I'm glad that you're watching or listening today, is that we've said for the last three years 
Um, we've talked about the vision that we have at North Point right now. So our mission is to help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. That's, that governs everything that we do. But periodically, we will have a, a vision that fleshes that out a little bit differently. So um, and probably five, six years ago, we talked about um, impacting 50,000 people in five years with the, with the love of Jesus. That, um, that, was, that was our vision at that point in time. And so everything that we did was to just try and impact um, our community, the people's whose lives. So in January, before the pandemic started, January of 20, we had a retreat and, and really sought God to say, okay, what's our vision? And our vision that, we've, that we came out of that with is what we've called Own Sea Share. So everybody who owns North Point would see God working in their life and would be sharing how God's working in their life in their sphere of influence, own, see, share. Um, what, I, what I really wanted to talk about in the message that fits in this, in verses 8 and 9 of, of 1 Thessalonians 1, is that that concept is what Paul was talking about, what happened with the church in, in Thessalonica, that they were seeing Jesus' work. They were talking about Jesus working, and that was impacting everybody around him. It was just happened naturally. He says, forever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. They're talking about their faith. They're seeing God working, and that's generating conversations that go well beyond the conversations they have because they're, te- they're, they're just sharing what God's doing in their life. And this person hears about it, and then they tell that person, and then they tell that person, and then they tell that person. The, I, I just, the thing that I wanted to say this morning was, that's what that's our hope that's our desire that when we say everybody who calls north point home sees jesus working in their life and begins to share that with the people in their sphere of influence art that's not a self-serving kind of a vision it really is we believe that god can transform mid michigan if we're seeing god working in our lives and we're talking about it I think it's so easy. I've, uh, we talked about. I talked about this a little bit in the message today. I think it's so easy for us to um, to think, oh, my my Christian world is what I do from nine o'clock to noon on Sunday morning, and when I go to life group on you know on Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Sunday, whatever that is. But then the rest of the week, I'm just kind of doing my thing. And that's not it at all. It, um, we're talking about faith that transforms every part of our lives. It, cha- it transforms the way that we think and act. Um, it, when we have our eye on eternity, it changes what we do. So, that well, I think, yeah, I think nowadays, too, it's, um, I mean, I almost think that there's apprehension trying to share what God's doing in your life in a world where people don't necessarily want to hear it. And are are outward about it. Talk about that, and um, or you hear the opinions that people have of Christians. You know, yeah. the idea of sharing what Jesus or God is doing in your life is considered preaching. And um, I mean, I've certainly been there in my life. I yeah, would tell people I don't want to hear it. Um, Did so you I do know that a lot. Uh, no, I, I could always see God working in my life. I, uh-huh. I think I've mentioned this to you before, though. I just yeah. thought the Bible was fiction. Yeah. Which is which is why I keep trying to hammer the real place, real people, real, yeah. Um, real stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think that. Yeah, I don't think absolutely. that people. Necess- I mean, I think the, there's probably plenty of atheists, but plenty of people can see uh, the reality and the need for God. But the idea that the stories of the Bible are real, um, I mean, people laugh about that. You know, people who 
have, don't have any experience with it. Yeah, who who are I would say are um, you like that scooch scooch on the chair? Um, uh, I think um, they're uninformed or haven't really thought through what's at stake when they say that, that um, because the evidence is so strong, historical evidence for the authenticity of Scripture. And the, and the thing that I talked about, again, early in the message, that Greek word that all the scholars said, nah, you can't trust the Bible, because that, term, that term's never been seen before. And then, sure. they, then, then it shows up in an archaeological dig, and the only other place that it exists in all the Greek literature is in Scripture. That has to make you go, huh, we didn't know that that was there, but it was already in Scripture. That's really interesting. And now there's 19 other pieces of archaeology where they found an inscription that's, that's similar. that uses that same word. Um, that, so, so I think that they're uninformed. I, I do think, I, I think I'm more convinced now than ever, even as um, divisive, as divisive as our culture is, separated on stuff, I think that when we love people, when we show them grace, when, um, you know, when, when, when we build relationships with them and we talk about what's going on in our lives, people, people are not resistant to that because if you care about them, they're going to care about you too. If, on the other hand, we don't care about them and we preach, then they're going to be resistant to that. But, but if we're just talking naturally about the stuff that's going on and how God's working and what we're, what we're sorting through— and we're authentic in that, not just with answers, but with questions. Um, I think I think people are really, really open because because nobody wants to live in a world where everybody's fighting all the time. You know, yeah. they they want something more than that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, so it makes sense. I mean, we want to be we want to draw people in based yeah. on how we're living, the, the living example that we're setting. Yeah, and and in in Thessalonians, in First Thessalonians one. When Paul says, "Man, I I I'm aware of your grace and peace that comes from God," that's uh, again in, just in prepping the message. I just kept thinking, "Oh man, if I could just be characterized by grace and peace, mm. that's such a, a magnet for people because they want to be around somebody who's gracious. They want to be around somebody who's peace. They don't want to be around somebody who adds to their stress, adds to their anxiety." Who um, who lives in that along with them? They want something different than that. Uh, prior to uh, so prior to Paul, let's say going to Thessalonica and sharing the gospels, the people there. I mean, this was a this was a period of time. People were, were they still considered Christians at that time? No, there um, there wouldn't have been a church in Thessalonica until Paul goes there. So again, if you think through the time frame. Um, what what happens after Paul becomes a follower of Jesus is that he spends about three years out in, in the desert with God really just kind of teaching to me. It's like he is studying, and the Holy Spirit's working through that, and, and he's like, I, I think what he's doing is going through the Old Testament going, oh, oh, that pointed to Jesus. Oh, that's what that was about. So, so he's kind of out of touch for about three years while while he's learning, and then he gets acclimated with the Christians, with followers of Jesus, who are scared of him because he's been killing Christians up to this point. Um, but he begins to be an advocate for for Jesus and for becoming a Christian. 
ultimately, the church in Jerusalem sends Paul and Barnabas um, out to start churches, and they go on the first missionary journey. They go out into um, into the region, and they just plant churches. You can read about that in Acts. Uh, probably that's starting about uh, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. 16 is when they're in Philippi. Um, so they go from city to city and preach and plant churches. Come back to Jerusalem, give a report. Um, in the middle of that, Barnabas leaves um, with John Mark, and Silas comes in, and then they send Paul and Silas out for a second journey, and they go out and plant more churches. That's where Thessalonica, where the church in Thessalonica happens. Um, and then ultimately come back and they go out for a third journey and plant more churches and check on them. Sure, and just to follow up on that, I mean, but they did have the Old Testament. They had the stories of Moses, Abraham. Sure. People worshipped God. Yes, yeah. I they mean, just didn't accept, you know, they just didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. As the Messiah. So so like in what we read this morning, um, uh, Paul goes to the synagogue. So that's not going to be an open forum for everybody in the city. That's going to be a place where Jews gather to worship. And, and he, for three weeks in a row, teaches. He gets up and teaches and says, Jesus was the Messiah. The word of Jesus. This, this is how you know. Um, and, and he's doing it from the Old Testament. So I, I think there was probably, um, you know, it's, it's hard to know. Um, you're working in a culture with lots of um, oral communication. There's not news. There's not the internet. There's not, you know, TV stations. But I think that that around the world there had to be conversations we heard about this guy that was crucified that came back to life. You think that's real? I don't know. And then we hear about these people that that um, that end up being thrown in the Colosseum and killed, and they don't reject their faith. You think that's real? I, so I think that there would have been conversation that goes around, just like there's conversation about anything that happens that people are just trying to sort through whether something's real or not. But when Paul goes to to Thessalonica and goes to the synagogue, that's where that's where attraction happens. And it's amazing to me that the church um, that the church launches uh, Paul's probably there less than three weeks, or mm. uh, you know, not a long period of time. Mm. It's incredible. Yeah, the hand of God, absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else that you no, wanted? No, I'm good. So you can fire away with your. Other well, I've questions. Been, I've been asking questions. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, th- that was my main. The main thing I was thinking about when you were talking today was, you know, what did religion look like before, you know, this before uh, Paul and Peter and these guys are going out and sharing the story of Jesus and what he did on Earth. Um, I mean, the Greeks they were still like worshiping Zeus. Yeah, the, all all of the stuff that we know about Greek mythology. Um, that, that was, was in practice. That was in practice. Um, and, you know, we taught, like, when I learned about mythology in elementary school or, or um, high school or whatever it was, you always talked about the Greek gods and the Roman gods. And there were similar similarities, different names. So the culture would have had a very real sense of higher power kind of thing, mm-hmm. whether that was Zeus or Mercury or Apollos or whoever it was. That that was a big deal, Diana, um, and and woven into lots of the religious stuff um, were practices of um, uh, sexual stuff. So it was it was not an uncommon thing for there to be temple prostitutes. So you go to the temple and 
do your stuff with the people who were employed there. And, um, and that was a part of a very pagan culture with lots and lots of gods. And then you compound that with, um, with the whole idea of Caesar with Rome. And, um, and it's funny, somebody asked a few weeks ago, and I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, um, what's the difference? It was on the, the, um, the, the royal egg week where we talked about Jesus being king. Um, what's the difference between king and Pharaoh or king and Caesar? Well, a king ruled a people, but Pharaoh or Caesar, they had godlike qualities or were on the same level as God as well as the kingly power. So Caesar has control over all of the Roman, um, all over the Roman world, but he's elevated to a place that he is the supreme being um, for that whole culture, which is why, again, in the message today, I tried to make a big point of, of when Paul says the Lord Jesus Christ, Kyrios, the, the Greek word there, that's a big deal because that's why the riots started in um, Thessalonica was because the people said, no, 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 no. Caesar is Lord, mm. and you guys are talking about somebody else. We can't be having any of that because that's going to mess up everything. And it's just not, they cared so much they were ready to get violent about it. Mm. So it was a very religious world, but it was kind of like everybody picked and chose whatever their religion was. Mm. So the Jews, the Jews would have had a, you know, a vibrant life as Jews in Thessalonica. Um, Romans, Greeks, whoever it was, they all would have. There would have been temples and um, places that they worshipped, all those kind of things. And Paul goes into that in Thessalonica and plants a church. Cool. Um, another question for you. I've got for yep. you. Off subject. Mm-hmm. Baptism today. Yeah, two baptisms. Two of them. East and yeah. I love the stories. Those boys were great. Yeah. I love the story of their grandma um, yeah. planting seeds and um, sharing stories. Um, that is just great stuff. Question that I had. Now, the baptism was cool, but different. I've never seen that before. Seen what? The mother baptized one son, grandfather baptized one son. Yep. Tell me about that. Well. I've never seen anything his, other than his, a pastor his, do it. His mom baptized him. <laughs> um, I'm giving you grief. Sorry. Sure. Um, the, uh, so there's, there's a great question that um, for some people, it's like, oh, your baptism doesn't count unless you're baptized by the pastor. Um, and that's not the that's not the picture in Scripture at all. It really is. There is this sense of um, baptism was a normal part of of uh, the way that people came to know Jesus. Um, that it, at baptism, Scripture talks about we know that our sins are forgiven. We know that the Holy Spirit comes to live in us at, at baptism. Acts two, um, but there's not any sense of that having to be done by a priest or an apostle or anything like that. And so we've, we've kind of over the years, over the generations, fallen into, oh, that's a sacrament of the church. The sacraments can only be done by the pastor or by the priest. And that's, that's, a, that's come out of the Catholic world, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's not, it, it is not what's lived out in Scripture. Um, so what we say to people is, like if I'm talking to somebody about um, about being baptized, I'll I'll say, hey, who's had who's had the greatest impact in your spiritual growth? Because that's the person that it would be the coolest to to have baptize you. You don't have to, you know. I'm I'm happy to. Um, any of us on staff are happy to. But it's it's more meaningful. And what was 
really, really cool was after that service, there was somebody sitting behind me that that has worked, has taught and merged in our children's ministry programming. And, um, and Cole was in her merge group. And so she's bawling after his baptism. She said, it's just really cool to see him take that step after all the stuff that we talked about in, in merge during Sunday mornings. And, um, and that's the kind of thing, um, you know, for, for Gwen, for, uh, for their mom or, or for Gary, the grandpa to be a part of that. I, I'm, I'm anxious to talk to Gary cause I know it was incredibly, um, meaningful for him to be able to share, uh, in, in Easton's, um, baptism. So yeah, there's, there's no, um, regulation, no rules, on that, I, it makes sense that the person who baptizes is a is a follower of Jesus that they sure. that they've taken that step, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, and so in Scripture, um, you know, at one point, um, the the guy who is the um, Ethiopian uh, legislator, he's a, a guy, and I think it's in Acts nine. Philip comes along. This guy is reading in the Old Testament. Philip talks to him. And the and the guy says, "Hey, there's water. Can I be baptized?" And they stop the chariots, and Philip goes and baptizes him. It's something that happens spontaneously. In Philippians, or in Acts chapter sixteen, in Philippi, the the Philippian jailer um, sees that nobody has escaped. They've heard Paul and Silas um, praising God and singing while they're in prison. And he's and, and that night, in the middle of the night, they're baptized right then and there. So yeah, cool kind of thing. Mm. Just part of God's God's story. Yeah, I didn't know that's great. Um, all right, well, look, I I don't have any more questions for you. We're uh, do you have any? Do you have another direction? Anything else that you would like to add? Um, from today, no. You're gone the next two weeks. Uh, yeah, I'm, Deb and I are heading out to see our kids. I'm going to be here at church the next two Sundays, but spending a week in Massachusetts. I'm seeing our oldest and her husband and four grandkids, and then going to Missouri and seeing the three that live in Joplin um, and their spouses and four more grandkids. So we've got, uh, well, that's awesome. We have uh, Jake next week, Larry yep. the week after. Do you know... You got a preview of where we're headed in the next couple of weeks? Oh uh, yeah, um, uh, I couldn't tell you that. The, that's a that's a great question. The um, the best thing that you can do is to just spend some time this week, whatever, reading through Thessalonians. It's not a long book, so Jake's got a significant part of chapter two, and I think Larry has the end of chapter two and part of chapter three. Okay, um, and and actually, I think that next week when we get back. We're still trying to figure out exactly how it's going to work, but that's when um, the Kamaus, when Wallace and Mary from Kenya are going to be with us. Oh. And I, I don't know if they're if they're going to speak or if we'll do just an interview. We're, we just worked it out that they could come this week. So I'm really, really excited about that. Excited for everybody to they have can, a chance to meet them. They're going to make their way onto the podcast? Uh, I'm hoping so. Yeah, cool. I'm hoping that we'll do a separate podcast just with them. Cool. So, yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got for this week. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, Sounds you good. You have yourself a great couple of weeks, Rick. Thank you. Thanks for hosting. And uh, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Go for it. <laughs>